good to be with you this morning. I'm so glad that we get to be together uh, through video. Hopefully, soon enough, we'll actually be able to be together in person. Um, we are going to continue with our sermon series, Going Public. And the reason we are in this sermon series is because of the crisis we're in. Um, when there is crisis, typically people ask big questions. They, their life stops, normal stops, and so they start thinking a bit more. And they actually pause and reflect on what really matters and what's really important. And especially when there's crisis, people are looking for hope. And so they're considering where they can find hope. And so we have a unique opportunity as the church to be prepared to offer the people in our lives hope that is hope in christ that's where ultimate hope can be found a 2019 study by the barna research group they found that 62 percent of people are open to having a conversation about faith and my guess is and these are non-Christians. My guess is that number is probably a lot higher during this pandemic. And so we want to help you seize that opportunity as a Christian. And so we are talking about in this series, how do we go public with our faith? How do we be a witness for Jesus? And I think probably the biggest mental hurdle that gets in our way of doing that is the idea that we actually are missionaries for Jesus, that every Christian is a missionary for Jesus. I think a lot of times we as Christians just tend to think that um, it's not our responsibility to make disciples. That's the pastor's responsibility or the missionary's responsibility. But the Bible makes clear that a central component of our Christian identity in addition to being forgiven and redeemed and adopted into God's family, is that we are a missionary for him and we are to be on mission. First Peter 2, 9 puts it this way. You are a chosen generation. This is Peter writing to Christians. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And when you think about a priest, what is a priest? What do they do? They represent God to people. They bring God to people and they bring people to God. That's what a priest does. If you are a Jesus follower, you are a priest. You are meant to bring God to people and you are meant to bring people to God. And so the way that our world is going to be reached with the hope of Christ is if every single Christian uh, around the world really views themselves as having that responsibility to be a missionary for Jesus. Now, once we have that conviction, because we live often by our convictions, not our beliefs, once we have that conviction, and we really see that as part of our Christian identity, that we are a missionary, the question then becomes, well, how do we go about doing it? How do we go public with our faith? How do we live on mission? Where do we start? 
what we're going to find this morning, and we're going to turn once again to Luke 10, because I think there's more gold to mine out of that passage. What, what we're going to find in that passage is that our missionary activity needs to start with prayer. Going public with our faith starts with prayer. And so I want to talk to you this morning about why prayer is the appropriate starting place for us if we're going to go public with our faith. So why don't you pray with me and then I'll read the passage again, Luke 10, to you and we'll, we'll talk about that. Lord Jesus, thank you that uh, you save us and rescue us so that then we can join you and partner with you on your rescue operation. You pull us out of the mud, not so that we can just um, rest and enjoy our privileged position, but that you call us to go back into the mud to see other people rescued out of the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of light. Lord, I pray that you would make that a conviction of our heart, that we would live by it. And Lord, I pray that you would even use today's message to help us understand how prayer is essential if we are going to be a missionary and do it well. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me read to you Luke 10. Um, this should be familiar to you at this point. Um, but boy, I, I just keep reading this passage and I keep seeing more things that I think help us in terms of going public with our faith. And so let me read it to you again, Luke 10. I'm going to read 1 through 10 and then I'll go to 17 through 21. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, The harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Carry neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandals, and greet no one along the road. But whatever house you enter, first say peace to the house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give, for the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you. And heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go out into its streets and say, The very dust of your city, which clings to us, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near you. So I read to 11. Here, let me skip down to verse 17 now. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. So, um, I think this passage has 
it gives us really good instruction as to why prayer is essential to our missionary activity. In fact, I think it's interesting that Jesus, before he even sent the 70 out on this mission, he told them to pray. He said, start with prayer. Pray in particular that the Lord God would send out more laborers into the harvest, that there'd be more missionaries is, is essentially what Jesus is telling them uh, to, to pray. But I think this passage teaches us some other things. And, and here's what I want to focus on. I want to offer these three things to you as to why prayer needs to be the starting point for our missionary activity. Prayer enables us to strategically share our faith. Prayer enables us to powerfully share our faith. Prayer enables us to confidently and intentionally share our faith. So let's look at that first one. Prayer enables us to strategically share our faith. Uh, when people read the gospel accounts and they read about Jesus's first 12 disciples that he handpicked, I think many people can identify with Peter. Peter is impulsive. Peter, he just does without thinking. Um, he, yeah, it's like he asks for forgiveness later, that kind of mentality, he just goes, right? Um, and I can just imagine that out of the 70, there were probably some Peters in that group. Maybe you're like Peter in your Christian faith. I, I feel like oftentimes I can be where you, you have ideas and you just go and you run with it and um, you don't really stop to pray and to really think it through. And the result of what can happen with that kind of method is that you end up pumping a lot of time and energy and resources into something that really doesn't bear fruit. You essentially get ahead of God. Um, my guess is that there were some Peters in that group that once Jesus said, hey, I'm going to send you out, they're like, let's go. No need for instructions. Like adventure awaits us. We'll figure it out as we go. But it was really good that they actually did stick around to hear Jesus's instructions because Jesus's instructions for them were counterintuitive. Uh, you know, for example, human wisdom tells you that if Jesus is going to send you out like sheep among wolves, that you should go ultra prepared. Like you should bring a lot of things. I would imagine that you moms, if Jesus was telling you this, you would have the first aid kit, you would have the chapstick, the sunscreen, the, the phone, you would have snacks, you would be ultra prepared. But Jesus's wisdom says, take nothing with you. Human wisdom, you know, says, that, hey, if you meet people on the road to the cities that, you know, we're going to, you should tell them about the kingdom of God as well. It's just more people you're going to reach. Jesus' supernatural wisdom says, no, don't speak to the people on the road. Make sure you get to the cities that I'm sending you to and focus your energy on the people there. Human wisdom tells you that, look, don't impose yourself on other people that you're going to be meeting in these cities, you know. Share the news about the kingdom of God with them and about Jesus and do it quickly and move on. Jesus' wisdom says, uh, no, remain in that house. Um, take your time with them. Actually allow them to serve you. 
eat with them, drink with them. Uh, human wisdom says that if they don't receive your message, like try, try, and try again. But Jesus' wisdom says, now wipe the dust off your feet, move on. Jesus' strategy, it was contrary to conventional wisdom. And if the disciples didn't take time to spend time with Jesus and to start uh, with prayer and to start with conversing with Jesus, who is the Son of God, which is essentially prayer, they would have botched the mission, right? They would have focused on perhaps good things, but not the best things. Um, my mom, she, uh, God's been working in her heart and uh, through our uh, sermon series on the four essential habits of Jesus, the last one we did, our Engage series, when I was talking about engaging with experience and getting your faith out of the classroom, right? Uh, God used that message to really speak to my mom and it really pushed her over the edge where she's been feeling this tug to get involved with Rahab Ministries. Um, and so on May 28th, my mom is going to be going to the streets and being a part of their street team and witnessing and uh, talking to women that are caught in human trafficking. And I, I, this is so cool that that's how God's moving in my mom's life. And, but she told me that she really received a lot of good instruction of what they can do and what they can't do. And you have to be careful because if the, the, the women and their bosses are around, um, that can be a hairy situation. And so there's a, there was a lot of instruction that my mom received and some of it was counterintuitive. And my guess is that the people at Rahab, they, I know they bathe everything in prayer and their strategy came about through prayer. I think of Eugene who spoke last Sunday with the Legacy Project. Um, he initially had visions of an orphanage, but as he continued to pray and seek the Lord, his strategy for reaching young people ended up becoming where he is in tons of schools in Stark County leading this mentoring uh, project that's reaching, I think he said like 1,500 kids in Stark County. Phenomenal. What if Eugene would have just marched right ahead and not taken that time to continue to pray about what God was placing on his heart? Um, if you're, you're a Christian and you're listening to this, I want you to think of one person that you would like to see discover hope in Jesus Christ. And I want you to not assume that you know the best approach to reach that person and introduce them to Jesus. I want you to begin asking God who knows human hearts. Like we don't even know our own heart because our heart is deceitful above all things, right? And if we don't even fully understand our own heart, how are we going to understand the hearts of other people that we are trying to bring to Jesus, even if we're close to them? God, however, knows the human heart. And so why don't we start with asking God, Lord, what approach do you want me to take? How do you want me to spend time with this person? And so I encourage you to do that. 
uh, James' brother, or Jesus' brother, James, he, he says in the book of James, look, if anybody lacks wisdom, ask God. And guess what? He gives it. He gives it generously, right? So ask God. Look, there is no one-size-fits-all approach uh, to being going public with our faith and being on mission with Jesus. Um, and the reason I believe this is because if you look at Jesus's life and how he interacted with the Samaritan woman at the well, it was different than how he interacted with Zacchaeus. And how he interacted with Nicodemus was different than how he interacted with Mary uh, when he was raised from the dead after his resurrection. You see, prayer enables us to strategically share our faith in the best ways possible because with retreat with God comes revelation. All right, second thing here. Uh, prayer enables us to powerfully share our faith. The concept of prayer is a simple one, and there's a lot of mis mis mystery to, to prayer, isn't there? But in its simplest form, all it is is talking to God, right? It's talking, having a conversation with Him, speaking and listening. Uh, and although it's, it's a simple thing, and it, yet it's mysterious, what we do know is that prayer works. It actually makes a difference. Um, Jesus, he said for the 70 to pray before he sent them out. And the reason he told them to pray is because obviously prayer made a difference. Or Jesus would have not had them waste their time in praying for more missionaries to go out, right? And so prayer makes a difference. Prayer has a way of channeling God's power and presence into our lives and circumstances and into the other people's lives and circumstances. Verse 17 and 18 of our passage tells us that we are in a spiritual battle. Um, and if you were to read in Ephesians, the Apostle Paul, he says, look, that spiritual battle is really, there's war on three fronts of this battle. One is there is a war in regards to our flesh. And, and that, Paul uses that term to refer to our sinful desires and impulses. Paul also says that we are, there's a spiritual battle that humans are up against with the world. And what Paul's referring to is the false belief systems that are so prevalent in our world. And also, we are up against it with Satan, evil powers in the spiritual realm that are looking, that are behind the, the, the world, the, the, the false belief systems that are in our world and are also looking to uh, exploit our sinful impulses and tendencies. That's the spiritual battle that we're all in. Now, what's amazing about Verse 19 is Jesus told his followers, Behold, I give you authority to trample over all the power of the enemy. As Christians, we have been given authority from Jesus, power from Jesus, to trample over all that the enemy can do. And although we have been given that power, we have to appropriate that power. We have to utilize that power. And the way we do that is through prayer.
Uh, notice that in verse 17, the disciples after the, the mission, they come back and they report to Jesus that even the demons were subject to them in Jesus's name. What this means is that the 70, as they went out, they were praying over demon-possessed people and they were seeing people be delivered of that because they were praying and they were utilizing the authority and the power through prayer uh, to overcome the evil one. Look, um, after healing a demon-possessed boy in Mark 9, Jesus told his disciples that spirit could only come out through prayer. In Luke uh, 22, 31 and 32, uh, Jesus says to Peter, look, Satan is looking to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you so that your faith will not ultimately fail. You see, our prayers matter because God has decided to unleash his power and presence through the prayers of his people. Look, if our missionary activity is going to be soaked in the power and presence of God so that it actually produces results, it is going to be because our missionary activity is birthed and bathed in prayer. If we are going to share Christ clearly and convincingly, it's going to be because of prayer. If hearts are going to be open to Jesus, it's going to be because of prayer. If people are going to be freed from their inner demons and released from their bondage to the flesh in the world, in Satan and his agents, it's going to be because of prayer. Look, in order to fight this spiritual battle, we have to use spiritual weapons. And the greatest spiritual weapon we have at our disposal is prayer. A guy by the name of Samuel Chadwick has said this, the one concern of the devil is to keep the saints from prayer. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil, mocks at our wisdom, but trembles when we pray. Prayer turns ordinary mortals into men of power. It brings fire, it brings rain, it brings life, it brings God. There is no power like that of prevailing prayer. And so I encourage you to not only pray about what approach you need to take to reach the one that is on your heart to reach, but I encourage you to pray that God would anoint your efforts with his power and presence so that it bears fruit. And I also encourage you, like the Apostle Paul did in Ephesians 6, 9, to ask other Christians to be praying for your success as well. That is so important. And Paul, he wrote this, pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. I am in chains now still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I'll keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. Uh, to go back to my mom with Rahab, uh, they pray leading up 
to their uh, team's activities, their, their missional activity on the streets of Canton. They pray all the while during it. They instruct them how to pray as they're on mission. And they pray and they debrief afterwards as well. In addition to that, my mom is required to have prayer partners that will be praying at the very time, praying up to the time they go out, but praying as they are out at the very same time. Why? Because prayer, it channels God's power and his presence. And then finally, prayer enables us to confidently and intentionally share our faith. You know, uh, that time that the 70 spent with Jesus, getting instructions, talking to him, gave them the confidence they needed to actually go out and complete the mission. Were all their fears gone? Probably not, but uh, they weren't holding them back and they were able to overcome whatever fears they had. The only way that we're gonna be able to move past the, the fears that we have and going public with our faith and our mind can come up with all sorts of fears and worries and what ifs is if we, through prayer, bring those fears to God and then also through prayer, really meditate on the truth of God's power and his promise to be with us. And it's as we pray in that way that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, makes God's truth real to our hearts, which then gives us the boldness and the courage and the confidence to be on mission. Um, Acts 4, if you were to read that chapter, it is so obvious that there's a link between prayer and boldness on mission. Um, Acts 4.13 says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. This is what being with Jesus does in prayer. Acts 4.31 says, And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Prayer is what's going to allow you to become confident and bold in sharing your faith. Because the truths of God have to become real to our heart, not just head knowledge. And the Spirit does that through prayer. And then prayer enables us to be intentional about sharing our faith. Look, because the 70 had spoken with Jesus about what they were about to do and they were talking to Jesus about it, they were very intentional then when they went out and they didn't get sidetracked. If we are praying about reaching the one that God has placed on our heart, guess what? We are going to be so much more aware of opportunities when they present themselves. And because we're praying about it and getting the courage we need through prayer, we're going to be confident to seize those opportunities that present themselves. So prayer helps us stay intentional. What we pray about, it's on the forefront of our minds. And so we're going to notice it. And so in conclusion, what I want to encourage you to do is to think about the one Who's that one that God is calling you to reach for him? And how can you start now praying about what approach does God want you to use? And how can you be regularly and consistently asking God 
to anoint your efforts with his power and his presence, to unlock the, the, the person's heart that you're desiring to reach with Christ. And then I encourage you to continue in prayer to bring your worries and your concerns to Jesus so that he can make his truths that will allow you to overcome those fears real to your heart.